As Dave mentioned, Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent. It is a period of time in which many Christians uh, throughout the world across the ages have set apart uh, as a time of preparation and reflection, uh, a time to prepare our hearts for the coming celebration of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. Uh, This is a season to pause and reflect and consider our humanity, our mortality, our frailness, our weakness. From dust we came and to dust we shall return. But more particularly, it is an opportunity to reflect upon our sinfulness, our sin. And our text tonight will help us to do just that. I invite you to give your attention to the reading of God's word. Our reading from the New Testament comes from the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. The apostle writes, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, You have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you uh, for your posture of mercy uh, towards us weary sinners weak and wounded, sick and sore. Lord, help us now to, by your spirit, be honest about our sin and be even more honest about our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. Before we look upon the glory of the resurrection, we must first be honest about the darkness the reality of our sin. And Peter will help us to do that this evening, uh, to reflect upon that reality and to look upon our Savior. And first we'll ask, what is this reality upon which we must look? What is sin? Sin is our tragic flaw. It is our having missed the mark, having fallen short of God's glory and his glorious design for his image bearers, that we would represent him well, carrying the good news of who he is to the ends of the earth. Sin is our having rejected our gracious king and instead seeking to substitute ourselves as kings, to reign in our own counter kingdoms, to be our own arbiters of what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. Sin is our failing to conform to God's most holy law, failing to live up to that which he requires of us, failing to follow it, failing to fulfill it, fulfill it, but not just not living up to it, actively transgressing God's commandments over and over and over again. Sin is our blameworthy breaking 
of the shalom, the peace of God's good creation. When we think about this law of God, which we have all broken, Jesus uh, summarized it this way. He said, God's law, what it is that God requires of us is that we would love him with all of ourselves, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and that we would love our neighbors, everyone who we have the opportunity to do good to, as we would so desire to be loved. But we've not done that. We've looked primarily to our own interests and our own idols. Instead of love for God and others, our hearts have been uh, twisted and corrupted by cosmic rebellion, filled with deep darkness, a result of our own sin nature and our volitional actions. We are unclean, polluted by our own selfish choices. Uh, some have said that the Christian doctrine of sin is the most provable, it's the most empirically verifiable of all the Christian doctrines. It's all throughout the annals of history. It's on the evening news, but we don't even have to go that far to see it. It's in our homes. It's in our families. It's in the mirror. When we take a hard look into our own hearts, we know what's there. We know that we're not who we ought to be by any standard. We know what we've done. We know what we've not done. We know the things of which we are deeply embarrassed. Things of which we would rather not speak. Things that no one knows about. And if we're honest, we're glad. We know what we've done with our hands and our bodies. We know the words that have come out of our mouths, the ways we've looked at others with our eyes unholy thoughts in our hearts and that we are rightly guilty before a holy God and we are deeply ashamed. You see it in all of your most important relationships. You're disconnected from those who you should be most connected with. You're disintegrated even from your own self. And despite our best efforts to the contrary, uh, we just can't seem to clean ourselves up. It's an ugly business, looking at our sin. And yet, these are the things that the apostle calls us to do this evening. And so I would ask you as we enter into this season of Lent, uh, what are those sins in your life that this might be an opportunity for you to be honest about? But our text is not just an invitation to reflect upon our sin, because if it were only that, it would truly be uh, despairing. But our text also invites us to look upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what it is he has done for our sin. Peter tells us that Jesus himself, true God and true man and yet one Christ, bore in his human body, in his flesh, our sins as he ascended the wood of the cross. He took our vileness, our rebellion, our idolatry, our transgressions, our lack of love for God and neighbor and self 
upon himself in his own body. And he took God's righteous judgment, God's just justice at those things as well. He became a curse for us. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He was afflicted on our behalf. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. Reflecting on our sin during the season of Lent must also lead to reflecting on our Lord Jesus Christ, who was not content to leave us in our sin, but to deliver us from it. To deliver us from the wages of sin, the penalty of sin, God's righteous judgment, but also to deliver us from the power of sin in this life through sanctification. And one day in the new heavens and the new earth and our glorification finally from the presence of sin in our lives. And so friends, know whatever those sins are that you struggle with or don't struggle with but should. They've already been laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God has already dealt with your sin in him. And so he no longer deals with you upon the basis of your sin. He has cast them into the depths of the sea. He has cast them as far as the east is from the west. And now he only deals with you, only deals with you based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He only looks at you and says, this is my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. And because that's true, because he no longer indicts you for your sin, you can be honest about that sin. And that leads us to our last reflection this evening. Why has Jesus done this? There's many ways that the scriptures answer that question, but the one that Peter presents to us tonight is that Jesus bore our sins in his own body so that we too might die to sin, so that we might live to righteousness. And that begins by addressing those sins head on, by being frankly honest about them, being honest about those things of which we are ashamed. I read something very recently about sharks, and uh, I think this provides a helpful illustration, and even if it doesn't, you'll know something about sharks. But if you ever find yourself in open waters uh, with a shark, our intuition is to get away from the shark, to move away, to swim away from the shark, but you can't swim away from a shark. And if you try to swim away from the shark, the shark thinks, that's what prey does. This is prey. And then you're going to get ate by the shark because you can't get away from sharks. So you must do the counterintuitive thing and actually turn and face the shark and swim towards the shark. Because then the shark says, this isn't prey. This isn't what prey does. And the shark is no longer interested in you and, and you're free from the shark. And there's these things in our lives, these sins of which we're deeply ashamed. And our intuition is to move away from the things of which we are ashamed, to, to ignore them, to not deal with them, to not be honest about them, to not bring them out into the light. But to die to those sins and to live to righteousness, we actually have to confront those sins, those things of which we are ashamed head on. We actually have to move towards them. It's very counterintuitive. It's a scary thing, moving towards your shame. Maybe much more scary than swimming towards the shark. 
C.S. Lewis reminded us on the front of our worship guide that we must first move towards the despair of our sin to experience the comfort of Christ. If we avoid the despair, we will end only in dismay. Friends, the cross compels us to be honest about our sin. Those sins for which Christ has died, upon which he no longer judges us. We're safe in his presence. He is the great shepherd who has laid down his life for the sheep. The judge has died for the guilty. The promise of resurrection compels us to walk in freedom, to walk in the light as he is in the light, to take those things, those places of darkness in our hearts and expose them, to lift them up to the light. Lent is an invitation to this uncomfortable process that we might then delight in the joy of hope and the newness of light. Lent is a season of opportunity, friends, to live into righteousness, to die into sin. And so I ask you as we uh, prepare to sing another song and go back to our homes, uh, how will you take advantage of this Lenten season? By refraining from sugar or Facebook? Those are good things. You should probably do that. But don't miss that this is also an opportunity to draw near to the one who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you pray with me? O Lord, our God, grant us grace to desire you with our whole heart, that desiring you we may seek you, that seeking you we may find you, that finding you we may love you, and that loving you we may hate those sins from which you have delivered us. And this we pray, O Lord, in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.